Hello, Tudor-minded people. It's Philadelphia Carrie for Tudor Time Machine. The word I share with you this week is bedswerver. And I shall tell you, the court is full of bedswervers. It is not wrong. I ask, if you were asked to marry solely based on business, would you not swerve to a bed that held a man who thrilled you? I consider it entirely understandable. Bedswerver? How now, Tudor Files? What think you? If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with Philadelphia Carey for Tudor Word of the Week. Don't miss a word and listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project. It's a Tudor mystery with some history on the side. Join us. So diverting. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. A bed swerver is someone who is not faithful to their marriage vows. Someone who finds another bed. How do you spell it, Philadelphia? It is spelled B-E-D-S-W-E-R-V-E-R. Bed swerver. Philadelphia. Do you think it was common to be a bed swerver in the Tudor period? I thought being faithful was highly valued and very important. All is not as it seems. It is important not to be revealed to be a bed swerver. But as a lady in Queen Elizabeth's court, we often help to secret a lady's lover into our chambers. I have seen historical accounts that support what you're saying. My dear friend Gage, sometimes one must swerve. Marriage is a business arrangement, is it not? You may care for the person you wed, or you may not. But the point of a marriage is to add to the land holdings of whomever is the family heir. And is there only one family heir? Well, one person, usually the eldest son, inherits the family fortune because a lot of these fortunes were entailed, I think, which meant they had to stay together. If you're the second or third son, or let's say a daughter, then you could marry for love. Indeed, it does not make sense to do that. It makes no sense. If you are a second son, you must find a lady who has court connections and a wealthy family, or at the very least a merchant's daughter, or you shall have nothing to live on. And for women, for women it is much worse. The laws are disgraceful. In truth, it is best to be married and then for the poor fellow to die. Philadelphia, that is a terrible thing to say. Laws, my dear girl, laws. A widow has the most say about her own life. And when one is married, if one engages in even a bit of well-deserved bed-swerving, one's husband can become very jealous even if he is an unrepentant bedswerver himself. Yes, it is best to be a widow. I quite look forward to it. <laughs> My. Well, jealousy is an issue. The example of our word this week, bedswerver, comes from a play that is all about the destructive nature of jealousy. It's The Winter's Tale by Shakespeare, and it's one of his stranger and darker plays. Although I think it's considered a comedy. Well, because in the end, everyone is reunited in a very weird way that you can hardly feel happy about. But In the winter's tale, the king and the queen, who is very pregnant, and their young son welcome the king's old friend to visit them. 
But the king becomes very jealous of his old friend and the queen, and he becomes convinced that they are bed swerving. But there's nothing to support this in the story. And he intends to kill them both. But the old friend runs away. The queen, however, is not so lucky. And she's tried and convicted of treason. And then she's imprisoned. Right. And she gives birth in prison to a baby girl who is a princess. But the king doesn't want anything to do with this baby. He demands that she be abandoned. But then his son dies and the servant, Paulina, tells the king the queen has died and that every bad thing that's happened to him is his own fault. And that's very brave of her to say that to the king. She takes a big chance. Paulina is a fantastic character. And it is entirely true that the king has brought everything on himself with this destructive jealousy he feels. And then the play fasts forward 16 years and all the loose ends are pulled together. So the king's lost daughter, who was supposed to have been abandoned, has actually grown up and has married a prince. And the king's long dead wife, who has been commemorated in a statue, is brought back to life because of his true love. It's very strange that his love is so pure. The statue transforms and becomes his live wife who forgives him and is full of compassion for him. And some scholars think the ending is influenced by the ending of the Ovid poem Pygmalion, in which a sculptor crafts a statue of the perfect woman and falls in love with it. And then his love brings the statue to life. I just don't know what to think about that. But at least Shakespeare named it The Winter's Tale, which is a bit like naming a play The Princess Bride. It indicates that it's a fairy tale and that it's a certain type of storytelling. It's a fantasy and it is in no way in the realm of realism. When the king first accuses his queen of bed swerving, he is extremely harsh. He says, she is an adulteress. I have said with whom. More, she's a traitor. And Camillo is a federy with her, and one that knows what she should shame to know herself, but with her most vile principle, that she's a bedswerver, even as bad as those that vulgars give boldest titles, I and privy to this their late escape. But the queen answers, no, by my life, privy to none of this. How will this grieve you when you shall come to clearer knowledge that you have thus published me? Gentle, my lord, you scarce can write me thoroughly than to say you did mistake. So she pleads with him, but he will not have it. These jealous men are really terrible in Shakespeare. That is why I would never have a jealous man. I would rather a boring man and be a bedswerver than have a jealous man and be a statue. <laughs> Give heed to the files. Bring some 16th century source to your vocabulary with bedswerver. Listen in next time. Don't miss a word. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like.